welcome to another episode of And Then It Hit Me. I'm your host, Francis Rose, and today we have a very special guest, Brian. He has an amazing story to share, and I wouldn't be able to do justice and tell his story. So, Brian, I'm going to pass it on to you to say hello to our audience and give us a little bit of a summary as to what you've gone through over the last few years. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Brian St. Louis. I'm currently living in uh, Calgary, Alberta. So I just moved out to Canada about a year ago. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the uh, in the states. I was born in in Montreal, but I grew up in New York and uh, spent most of my life there. Went to school in in Michigan, where I met my wonderful wife. Um, I went to. We lived in Michigan for a few years and. We also were able to live in Indiana as well for the last um, stint of our of our last of our years in, in the states until we moved up to Calgary. Um, but through through everything that that we have to in life, you know, many journeys hit us. Either um, it could be physically, it could be emotionally, uh, it could be mentally, and so many different things. And um, I definitely went through some certain experiences that have that have hit me hard and um and I've had to come out of 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 that in in a, in a certain way um but you know as we continue to go on through our journeys one thing that I realized is in life no matter what uh, you still find that that opportunity in order for us to to bounce back um because there's a whole bunch of roller coasters there's a whole bunch of ups and downs but through it all, we're able to always stand up, stall, stand up tall. Not, I'm just not saying that because I'm a tall guy. Um, but, <laughs> but there's, oh, there's always an opportunity for us to stand up and get up back on our feet. Basically, I want to say in 2016, it's August 2nd. It was my birthday, and um, I I was just just in a in a new position. I was working as a as a school teacher for business and entrepreneurship. And I'll never forget, my wife came in uh, to my school and she she surprised me with all of my students and, and my and my other staff members. And, you know, um, you know, I, I thought that, that was already a wonderful birthday. Come to find out, I get home and she gives me two gifts and I still have and I have this watch, you know, that she gave me. And next thing you know, there was like a little box. And the little box looked different, you know. So I, you know, I was just like, "Oh, whatever, it's just a box," you know. So I picked up the box, and in that box was a onesie. And <laughs> I got ecstatic, you know. It was it was such an experience. I I didn't think for a moment that my wife was pregnant. She actually found out the day of um, that same day that, on my birthday. So I'm I'm just sitting there and I was just completely just draw back and I I think I like fell back on my bed and I was like oh my <laughs> this is such a crazy experience like, I'm gonna be a father you know um mm-hmm. and it you know so through throughout that um we we were going through this ex- through through everything you know getting ready for the child and um it some uh, it was. It was now November and um, my dogs ran away. You know, they ran out from the back of the house and they ended up going into a, a corner, an area. So I, I, I ran out 
you know, to try to find them, but I couldn't find them. So I went into my car and I started looking around, started looking around. Uh, I found one of my dogs crossing a very busy street. And so I ran out and I grabbed him and I put him in the car. And I, I couldn't find the other dog. So I, I was trying to tell myself, uh, I was like, it's okay, it's okay, I'm going to find him, I'm going to find him. I, I called all the, um, maybe somebody picked him up. So I started calling the the shelters. I started calling different places. And um, no one was giving me a call. I I So I decided I'm going to get to work. I got to work really late. Um, but on my way towards work, I got a call from one of the pounds that said that, he got hit by a car. Oh and no! He passed away. And so, like, my heart was because I'm a big dog lover, you know. And my heart was just wrenched. And I and I called off of work and I went back home. Um, I think I actually broke my not broke it like completely, but I punched a hole through my steering wheel. Oh, no. it was, it was, yeah, it was it was a hard experience for me. Um, his name was Bentley. I still have Duke, um, mm. but. But something kept hitting in my mind. You, um, the phrase was, at least you got one. At least you got one. At least one was saved. And that, that, that kept playing in my mind over and over, like for, for a long time. And I, and I couldn't really understand, like, why. I mean, I understood why it was there at that moment. But until my months later, I kept hearing the same thing. At least you got one. At least you got one. And I, I was just like, okay, okay. Um, but fast forwarding now, um, to March 15th of 2017, my wife, she, she called me as, cause I actually had just gotten the position moved to become the principal of the school. And so I was about two hours away from home. She calls me and she says, um, cause, cause we had a, a staff meeting for all the, for all the new principals of the district, um, she calls me and she said, I think I'm, I'm in labor, but I think it's Brixton. Was it Brixton Hicks or Brixton? Something like that. Um, the, the ghost pains. And I was just like, oh, what do you, I was like, are you sure I could come out? She's like, no, 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 you can stay. You can stay. And one of my coworkers was like, bro, go. What do you do? <laughs> just go. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was very cool. I was very relaxed. I was very calm. I called my mom said, you know, I'm ready, you know, I'm, you know, things, things are lining up. I'm good to go. Um, she was kind of like, Oh, make sure you do that. But I felt like at peace. Um, so I get to the hospital, my wife tell, and, and basically, uh, the doctor tells me that my wife's blood pressure, I think up to 180 to to hundred. I can't even remember the diastolic. Um, but it was, very high and and i asked her i was like is there this normal or so well we not necessarily but we gave her magnesium um to pull everything down i like you know to to lower her levels so that you know she can still give birth naturally i said okay cool um so we're going through the natural birth um but a couple of hours in three hours in four hours in the doctor kind of pretty much pulls me to the side and says we need to do an emergency c-section and so i was like okay cool cool let me talk to my wife because i know she was so um pertinent on wanting to to have a natural birth um so she signed the papers reluctantly but she you know at the end of the day i told her like hey we we have to do this and she was like okay okay so she signed the papers 
and we moved to the emergency C-section. Um, so I'm sitting in a, in a, in a room and I never forget one of my students called me and he said, um, is the baby there yet? And I was like, no, no, not yet, but trust me, um, in a couple of days, you'll be able to see her, you know? So in my mind, still, everything was, was still going to be fine, you know? Um, so my wife, she ends up having the emergency C-section and, uh, I remember I watched the whole thing. Um, as much as I, as I could until I walked into the room, because to me, if she can go through that. I can at least see what, what was, what was the pain that she was going through. Um, about, about 20 minutes into me coming into the room, they, they pulled out, her name was Cornelia. Um, they pulled out Cornelia from, um, from my wife. And like, I started shaking cause <laughs> you know, that was my baby girl. And um, I was so happy to see her start. I, I started tearing up a little bit and I was, it's tears of joy. Um, but I saw her like gasp it basically for air. And next thing you know, um, they, they brought her to the next room. I mean, to the, um, to the, not to the next room, but to that little area where they have the babies um, in the same room. So I'm waiting, you know, for 30 seconds to a minute. And I'm thinking to myself, um, you know, this is now I'm waiting to hear a cry and I'm waiting to hear the cry. I'm waiting to hear the cry. I'm not hearing the cry. Um, about three minutes in, my wife tells me, hey, how come I can't hear the baby? Mm. And I said, Get, hold on, babe. Don't worry. Everything's going to be OK. You know, everything's going to be OK. One thing that I do in situations, I don't give up or I quit until, um, until the situation is final. Reality mm-hmm. and something I, I don't have a sense in where, and where I freak out too much or, or I lose my cool or lose my calm. So in the whole, in the whole time, five minutes in, I'm, I'm still having a, a strong emphasis of faith. You know, I was praying, uh, like out loud, I was singing hymns, um, uh, one of my one of my favorite hymns to this day now because of that was even in this even in that situation was Jesus Jesus how I trust him um, and I was singing that out loud while they were um, basically performing CPR uh, on my child and to see that as a as a father it really some, sometimes you don't really even realize how things could affect you until later on. Mm-hmm. But to see the fact that I, I saw no life in my child right in front of me and uh, them trying to perform everything that they can in order to, to bring back life into my child, uh, I think it definitely took a toll on me uh, in a way that I didn't realize at the time either. Uh, my wife even says sometimes that she didn't see any of this. Uh, she was so... Uh, she was. She had a lot of drugs through through the uh, through the procedures that they they were giving her. Right. And also, they, you know, you know, she was she was kind of faced away, so she couldn't see any of the process. So she sometimes says, "I might have been even more traumatized than her." I don't personally think so, but uh, through it all, you know, I still kept it through thirty minutes, forty minutes. And my wife, you know, she was just holding on to my hand without really understanding everything that's going on. 
And uh, about 45 minutes in, the doctor came and, and told us, you know, she was coming to, to all of us uh, or to my wife and I, and she was going to tell us what happened. But I just told her, I said, just give it a second. Uh, let my wife get carted back to her room and I'll tell her myself. And my wife was just asking, you know, as she was being carted, you know, what's going on, what's going on. And I, I just told her everything, everything would be fine. Everything would be fine. Cause we didn't necessarily think that right then at the moment, everything was okay. But I knew that life was still both there for us. Right. So at some point, everything will still be fine. Yeah. Um, but the moment that door closed, I, I cried, I cried. I don't think I can ever cry again. Um, and I held on to her warm body and it just, it was, uh, it was the most, uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically taxing moment of my life, especially expecting life, you know, with no, with no understanding or thought that there was anything prior to that. You know, there was no forewarning of anything to happen in that situation. Um, but I brought my my child Cornelia and I brought her to my wife. And when I when I told her what happened, she started crying. Uh, but when I handed her Cornelia, it was it was one of the weirdest and but most peaceful moments I've ever seen. She started just she kind of just held her and then uh, she she smiled and she said she was she's so beautiful. And, and she was like, I'm happy we called her Cornelia. And, and I, I just couldn't deal with that. I was just broken. Um, just seeing that whole moment play out because, um, I, I just felt like my wife deserved to have her child. Yeah. And I wanted daddy's little girl so bad. Uh, but you know, throughout the days, throughout, um, like I said, life is, full of ups and downs, full of journeys. And we uh, spent five days in the hospital because my wife almost lost her life in the process. And that's where the thoughts of, um, at least you got one. Right. One just kept ringing through my mind. At least you got one. At least you got one. At least one was safe. At least mm -hmm. and that's And I was just like, you know, it kept me sane, to be honest. It kept me sane for a while. Um, because ultimately, I could still have I, my wife was still there. She's still for us, and it helped out through the process a lot. We we grew closer together through this. Uh, we we end up um, and I never forget we had a conversation about two weeks in. We said we're not going to hurt each other or say anything bad for like six months, straight up six months, because we don't want to associate ourselves with the hurt. Yeah, and that was something that. That was very instrumental to our um, to our marriage and to our relationship overall. But she, you know, both of us, we we kept each other tight. Um, my students were very instrumental as well. They 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 showed me love in a way that I, I you know, I didn't expect. Um, you know, my uh, my my family came and supported us uh, in our in our time. We. I had people who I didn't know come and, and speak to me, come and give me food. I might came drive, drove 50 minutes from their home. People I didn't know drove 50 minutes from their home to just bring me food. 
And and I remember I, I opened the door and it was a pastor actually. Um, and he said, you know, I know you don't know me, but I heard about your situation and 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 I and I came out and I just want to make sure that you have some chicken noodle soup. And I was just, I was just like, what? Like <laughs> like it was it was so different, you know. Uh, as much as we've lost, we've also been able to gain um, quite, quite a lot of love and understanding from people overall. And so, um, I guess one of one of the one of the worst uh, experiences in my life, one of the most final situations, I'll never forget having to. I personally put her in in the in the grave. Um, turned out to be a situation where I was able to learn more about myself. Um, I was able to understand love in a, in a different way, in a different capacity. Uh, God taught me how to love people better through this situation. Um, showed me life in a different lens. Showed me a, a, an understanding of hurt. And uh, overall, I just believe that even in the midst of our tribulations, in the midst of our pain, there, there's always that light out of out of that. And um and it doesn't necessarily neg- it never negates what we go through, but what it it allows us to 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 use that same pain in order for us to come out better and to actually want others not to experience the same thing that we that we've also have experienced. So um but yeah that's that's uh that's pretty much uh my my then and hit me moment. It wasn't uh, like once again, Francis is not, it's not a physical pain, mm-hmm. but it was one that was, was an emotional trauma that, and a, I mean, overall emotional, mental, spiritual trauma that, uh, that, that allowed me to, to see life in a whole different lens. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, but, but ultimately, uh, that pain still hits, you know, of course. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm here and, and, and well, the good, the good news is, you know, I do have a son now. Mm-hmm. He's uh, six months old now. And, Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he's, he's a big boy, really, really big kid. Like, some just people like look dad. At him, <laughs> some people look at him and they're like, oh, is he, ever since he was like three months, they would say, is he, like eight or nine months. I'm like, no, he's only three months. I'm like, whoa, whoa. you know. So he, he's a big boy, very healthy, very strong. Um, but ultimately, you know, that was our joy that came in the morning. You know? um, it was a, it was a bit of a very, I wouldn't say hectic pregnancy, because honestly, coming to Canada also was a a blessing in and of itself. Does free healthcare? I'll take all of that. And was Levi born in Canada? Yeah, he was born in Canada. Okay. Born here in uh, in May. So, you know, um, it having that free healthcare, having that 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 sense of security. We went to ultrasounds almost every other week. Mm-hmm. You know, not even because we wanted to only, but the doctors were so caring and so wanting. Hey, we want to make sure this is done the right way. But there was no expenses that they really cared about. They just wanted to make sure that we had the best care, you know. So overall, it was an amazing experience to have Levi. And we had a little bit of a scare at the very end where they they said my wife's um, or his heartbeat wasn't wasn't very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But I feel like that was just one of those things that was just trying to get us at the last moment. Right. Uh, but he came out very healthy. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the moment he came out, he cried. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it, it, it definitely, it was one of the most blessed things to hear. Yeah. Um, as much as anybody might not understand that, but to hear a cry uh, after you were wishing to hear one. Yeah. It was, it was one of the best things I could ever hear. It's amazing. So, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story. I know it's it's not an easy one to tell, and a lot of families do go through that, but it's not easy to share that story or even come to terms with. So uh, I appreciate it very much. It, I was definitely emotional just listening to you tell it. So it takes a lot out of someone to share it, but I I think your story will help so many others seek comfort. So if there's anyone out there who's listening to this story and it resonates with you, you know, feel free to reach out, whether it's to me or to Brian, because you're not alone. You're not alone in the process. Um, And trauma doesn't have to be physical for it to be painful and difficult. You know, trauma, it can be anything mental, emotional. And for you, I think it was all the above and physical for your wife, because that couldn't have been easy for her to have to go through the C-section knowing that she planned for natural birth. Right, right. So I think when you look at the family collectively, you guys have actually experienced all types of trauma right? in right. such a short period of time. Um, but thank you for sharing that. Absolutely, absolutely. How do you feel your life has changed since then? Um... Well, I mean, I, like I said, the journey is, is not is not easy, you know. Um, I'll never forget from the moment I, I we had the funeral, I had so much support. When we walked into the funeral home, I I looked behind me, and there were like 10 people because we started, it was a Friday, you know, and there wasn't that many, um, you know, people are still at work and stuff like that. So I saw, I think I remember 10 people when we first started, and, and I... And one of my one of my good friends, uh, pastor as well, his name is Earl Baldwin. He started talking and he started for for the uh, for the eulogy. He was like, and I remember him saying, "There's so much support that you have, that you have." And you know, in my head, I because I didn't look back throughout the whole time, but when he said that, um, I turned around and the room was, I'm talking about packed, like people wow. were still in the room. Um, there was there wasn't enough seats to fill the room, and I didn't because the whole time I was just so centered on what was going on, so I didn't I didn't even realize there were people walking in <laughs> throughout the whole throughout the whole um, program. Um, so I turned around, seeing a whole room full of people definitely gave me that sense of of support and everything of the sort. Um, but then, uh, you know they. I, I I mean I've told you this before, Francis. Um, I'm I've been through situations in my life where people have seen me bounce back very well, very easily, you know. Um, and and I don't really it's not that I pride myself in that, but it's it's like at the end of the day, things don't hold me down as much as 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 it might to someone else. And and I decide I get back on my feet and I'm ready to roll. Um, 
But this this is not just any one of those situations. And so I found myself in a very dark place, you know, for a while. And one of the things that I wish I had more of in that time, uh, especially after I, I finished school, um, was that support. Uh, my wife and I were basically each other's main support throughout the whole time. Uh, I wish, you know, I had more friends who called. I wish I had uh, more family to check up on me uh, a little bit more in that period of time. Um, but things things were up and down. Um, I I tried my best to to deal with the situation myself, uh, you know, as a family. Um, but I started taking up the drinking. Uh, I wasn't proud of that moment. But also, it was something that not necessarily I did to 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 get drunk, and I don't even think I got drunk once throughout that time. But it was it was something that kind of just eased the pain. Yeah, I guess it eased the pain. I just felt like doing it. It, it was just in my head. I just I was at a place where I just didn't care as much. Um, but I'll never forget when I I was going to go back to school to you know as a principal. And it was like God was telling me, it was like, how do you expect to be the example that they need if you're following a certain lifestyle? And and so at that moment, I I just stopped. That was about, that was the second week of July. I probably started up in in April. Um, And I just told myself, yeah, it's done, you know? So um, I found myself also working well with the students. Um, I put, I poured a lot of my energy into that. more than more than typically because I felt like I had to give more at that time. Uh, but definitely more so I, I learned, like I think like, like I said before, I learned a lot about how to love people and to be there for them in, in their time and their pain. And so even though my journey was, uh, was a pretty emotional roller coaster throughout the time, even though some days I felt strong as an ox and others I felt as little as a mouse, you know, I, but I still kept going. And um, definitely the whole concept of loving people, especially when I had students who were going through so much in their life, uh, it it helped me to put things into perspective and to Mm -hmm. still be able to pour out even when there was little being poured into me. Right. What has been the biggest obstacle for you during this recovery process with your wife? We, we didn't actually, like there was a lot that we did together. I feel like that was that was great. Uh, I feel like, but one of the biggest obstacles, at least that I felt, was the fact that a lot of people sided with her as the woman, as as the, as the pregnant mom, um, but the the father was the second thought. You know, so it was it was more so, hey, you have to take care of her. Uh, make sure she's okay, make sure she's mentally fine, make sure that everything is right with her. But there was never a thought about, well, not never, but a lot of times where the emphasis was on her, there wasn't much thought about what I was going through as a father. Right. Sometimes that it, it didn't really mesh well with me uh, because, you know, to me, I, I was a part of this. This this is this wasn't a singular situation. Correct. Where she was dealing with something and I wasn't. Um but I even in that though, I still always and I still to this day believe that the pain is worse with her, even though she might say the other, but that shows our connection. You know, she wants to say, 
you know, that I was hurt more. I, and, I, and I'm like, hey, you know what? No, I think you were hurt more. And, and so we care for each other more on that. But, um, but to have people to say basically that there wasn't, like, that my, my pain is not to her level and, and I can't understand her, so I need to just do for her. It, that, was, that was an obstacle I didn't need to hear like in the in the first couple of days or right or whatever right uh, of this trauma so i'd say that was one of the biggest hurdles mm-hmm. um, that i had to deal with was, was people actually yeah so. and i think this is very helpful that uh, we're having this conversation because we might have people in our lives or some listeners who might be associated to someone going through something like this right now yeah. and maybe maybe it's worth taking the message from what you just said and maybe just be there to listen. You know, there might not be any right thing to say in this type of instance, but just be there. I 100% agree with you. Um, a lot of times we, we think we need to fix the situation or cure it, you know, right. find, a, find the magic words. There, there's no magic words for this. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't matter what you go through. It, it doesn't matter if it's a motorcycle accident. It doesn't matter if it's a loss of a child. It doesn't matter if it's a loss of a father. It, there's not much that you can say at that yeah. point. That mm-hmm. can hurt. But more so, your presence is, is enough. Okay. But if your presence is now also a contributing factor to more pain, then you have to, you have to be able to realize that yourself. And, and and exclude yourself from that situation. Right. Because sometimes we, we think we're helping, but we're actually causing more more issues in, right. in that situation. So right. we just we have to, we we just have to be able to be intuitive in that sense and say, right. you know what? This is not for me. Yeah. I can't help you. I'd rather someone else, you know? Or if I can't help you, I'm just gonna be there for you because that's all I can do. Yeah. It's a good message. And I think as a society, we're all still learning about things to do, not to do, um, what's appropriate and what's not. But I think this is a sort of a really great conversation for, for instances like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you feel has been the most helpful in the recovery process for you and your wife? I'm a very, I'm a very spiritual individual, you know, um, and, and my relationship with God is, is utmost. To anything. I remember my wife even told me, she says, the reason why I love you so much is because you love God more than you love me. And, and and that's the truth, because in order for me to love her at the best, I need to understand who what love is. And God, God is love. So it allows me to understand love to, to be able to now bring that or give that love to my wife. Uh, but instrumental to my to my recovery to anything uh, was definitely my relationship with God. Uh, there were some answers I was looking for, however, that I still to this day don't feel like I really got like why, you know, this whole thing had to happen. But throughout the years, I see how because of the of the of the um, of the situation, because of the trauma um, or because of of how I was able to come out of it with my wife. You know, we are, were able to help other people who are dealing with certain situations. Right. That, that that are traumatic in that sense. Uh, I feel like also, I there there's a sense of understanding more so with 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 pain, um, 
with with mental illnesses with um with all with suicide uh because there was even a, I don't think I even mentioned this before but there was a moment um where I I ne- so I finished school and I was my wife had went to Antigua I think that's the country and so I was by myself for a whole week and I found my and I found myself on a couch just sitting there and I was just just down and out, you know? And I, like I said, the, that was the moment that I wish I actually... Okay, so during that week, that's when the pastor came and um, and gave me and gave me that chicken little soup. And I and I didn't even know him. He drove 50 minutes just to come and, and, and bring it to me. He never met me in his life, but he heard about my situation and decided to get, get that for me. Um, but besides that time... There was I didn't really get much calls from friends or family throughout that week, so I found myself on the couch watching The Office for a whole week. And you know I love The Office, so maybe <laughs> maybe it helped. Um, but I was planning on buying a gun because you know in Indiana everybody gets guns. Um, this is the states, you know. So I went to go um, buy the gun, and I never forget the guy told me he said, um, "If you come with cash, you can." you can actually get it for, I think, 5% cheaper. I was like, oh, of course. So I went to the bank and something told me, don't buy the gun, don't buy the gun. I said, okay, fine. That was on that was on Friday of the week before school ended. And so the, now the week, was, the week was by myself on the couch. And I think it was maybe that Wednesday or Thursday. And, I, and the, the thought came to me that the pain was so heavy and it was and it was becoming a little bit too much and and at that point i said man i wish i could just blow my brains and as soon as a thought came um the thought ran out you know it was like whoa check yourself and and come out of that yeah and and i and then but at that moment i realized that was my first ever suicidal thought and 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 I thought to myself, if I had that gun that I wanted to buy that week prior to, who knows what could have happened at that moment. Right. Um, but I feel like, once again, the understanding of certain things happened at that time. And I, I spoke to, um, I mean, I had a lot of students who were going through suicide. I had a lot of, you know, as a pastor, you go through, through situations where people have, have had suicidal thoughts. And now, instead of looking at people in a certain way where it's like, oh, how could you, you know, don't you realize that your life is precious and, you know, and just automatically spewing out the things that you think that people want to hear, you have more of an understanding uh, of the situation and more so than just trying to say the right thing like we were talking about before. Yeah. Being there makes a huge difference for that person. And so I realized that throughout my experiences, um, God was still always there for me, kept empowering me, kept strengthening me and moving me towards directions. Uh, I never even thought to find myself in Calgary, you know, um, in this position. But through everything that, I, that I've been through, it helped me to be a better man, a uh, better husband and a better person for a better father and, and a better person for society. So it just allows me to to care more for the people. Right. 
I think it's really interesting how you position that because as difficult and painful as experiences are, I hear that what you're taking out of it is how to be more empathetic to those who are currently go through going through it or how you can help them. And it's just an amazing perspective on how you turn things around and make it for the better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, once again, you know, this life is, it's not just for us. Right. You know? um, and, and the more so we see that, cause I'm very community minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more so we see that the more we realize that your pain is not just yours, you know, but people go through a lot too. Exactly. Um, I think actually one of the, one of the things that helped me snap into things that very week too, was I remember I was on Facebook or YouTube and I saw a father who I think this was in Syria when they had just finished bombing um, certain areas of Syria and he was holding on to his dead child who was about three years old. And I said to myself, man, you know, I mean, I, I know what I went through was, was tough, but imagine living with your child for three years, you know, and now you lose your child, you know, that's not, that's not easy. And so there, there were certain things that I was able to see through the world around me and, and know that, hey, you know, you're not alone. Yeah. Um, it's not something that's just for you. Um, in, in a sense, like, oh, yes, this did happen to me and my wife. Yes. But like there are, there are certain things that happen around the world that also are going on in people's lives. And so it's not pain is, and, and trauma is not just for you. We can be there for others who are also enduring certain things. So it exactly. helped us to, to, to work better you know, with people. And I think this podcast episode is a testament to that because you are here telling your story, a difficult story with the hopes that you will help others and inspire others to move on and to share the message that they're not alone. So I think uh, I really appreciate the things that you do for your community, but also for the listeners on this podcast and every, all the other work that you do. Um, even for me, myself personally, you know, I reached out to you just a few minutes ago, you know, sharing a problem that I had and um, your advice is priceless, especially because I'm coming to you saying, what can I do? And you're always ready to help. And sometimes when I don't ask you for that help, I find that over the last three years during my recovery, you've messaged me at the moments that I just needed a pastor with some chicken noodle soup. (laughs) And you said, Hey, I'm just checking in just to say hi. Um, And I I actually want to elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, I want to tell our audience how you and I had met um, would you like to give a little background on the business that you had going on and how we initially made contact and where we are today? Yeah. So um, I, I had a, a fitness channel too. It's called Pump Priority. We still, we still got it up. Um, there's not much being uh, on it right now, but ultimately we, we still have it up. But Pump Priority was, was our fitness channel. Me and my, me and my friend, uh, we started it up. Uh, you know, I was getting heavy. And, you know, I started working out and I started feeling great about myself. And, you know, we decided together, hey, you know what, even though you're in Canada and I'm in the States, let's let's do something, you know. So we started our own fitness channel and we named it Pump Priority. You know, the pump comes first and we just got to make sure we take care of business. 
And uh, things started going very well. Like I had, we started getting our t-shirts out and, and I, I remember uh, Francis, I saw she was competing and stuff like that. I was like, you know what? I got to make sure I send her a shirt, you know? So that was one of the things that um, like, like, because I was in the fitness community, I started uh, following certain people and that's pretty much how we even uh, got to, got to know each other just on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how people can just build friendships through that. But, um, but yeah, that's how we, we started talking. And, and basically when I saw what she went through, um, I just, I, I just said to myself, you know, I got to reach out and, uh, you know, whatever way I could help to support, you know, um, I'm just hoping that I, I, I could be of help or of service. And it wasn't necessarily to, to do or say much, but it was just to be an ear. You know, to listen and to to be there for for someone who's who's going through a traumatic experience. You know, so I'm just happy we're able to build a friendship uh, through that in the past few years, and just be able to get to know each other and and to to be there for each other and, and support. You know, exactly. Um, so that was that was one of the things I made sure to send her a T-shirt uh, for a pump priority. But I mean, you could you could finish the rest of that. well it was definitely so the t-shirt was I think the initial contact that we had where you said you know send me your address I'll send you the t-shirt and you can wear it and by the time I had received the t-shirt I had gotten into the motorcycle accident so for the longest time I, I believe it was a few months or years even and I said Brian I love the shirt so much but I don't feel worthy of wearing it because I'm not competing. I can't even bend my knee. I can't bend my toes to this day. And I didn't want to set up your brand and associate it with someone who didn't have the life that I wanted and the life to represent your brand. I just didn't feel worthy. So I didn't let my self put it on and sometimes I did because it was like the only shirt I had left or something of that sort but even (laughs) I was afraid to take a photo and post it because again I was just so fearful of sharing with the world that here's this amazing brand but here I am in bed doing nothing because I can't do anything um but when I told you that I think that is what really started that's what started to build a foundation on a relationship because you said, it's not about that. It's not about what you're representing. It's not about the fact that you can't go in the gym. It's about the fact that in the midst of everything that you're going through, you're still here and you're giving it a second chance and you're putting your all into it. And For me to hear that from someone who wasn't my close family or friend, who I also wish I heard more from, um, it was just, it was everything I needed to hear. And I didn't ask for it. You just, you said it. And I found that every time we touched base every few months since then, you've always found the right things to say um, in the midst of my recovery. So if I hadn't said it to you before, I really appreciate all the support that you've provided from the States and now from a different province. But really, 
I love the story about the pastor who you didn't know bringing you that chicken noodle soup because even though you physically couldn't bring me soup, you did mail me that shirt. And <laughs> every single time that you've checked in on me, that's exactly what it felt like. And it, it was so warm and genuine. And I want to thank you for that. And I want to share with everyone else who's listening to this podcast that it might not be your mom or your partner who's there for you, but there are people there for you and they certainly do reach out in, in the ways that you don't imagine, but here it is through, through Instagram. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for that. Absolutely. It's an honor. Um, I'm just happy to, like I said, I'm happy to help um, in any way. But you certainly have. It's a good thing to know that, you know, we were able to build that friendship, that relationship and, um, and and that it was it was a it was a positive one, you know. Yeah, so definitely, definitely. And I'm excited to see what else we uh, will build together because you know you being on this podcast is just one stepping stone. But I think there are endless opportunities given that you and I have this passion for helping people who've been through things that we we have. Um, and just helping people in general. So I look forward to the amount of work that we can continue to do together. Absolutely. So before we end this episode, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would be? Someone once, someone once said that if there's no vision, there's no life. And, uh, and, I, and I take that very seriously because, um, first of all, I don't have good vision. Um, <laughs> I wear glasses. I know you guys can't see this. <laughs> But uh, I don't have good good vision physically. So for me, it was always what I can see for our, for our future. And one of the things that helped me through my my experience was always looking to the to the understanding the present and living in the present, but but also always having a vision for my future of what life will be what things could look like and um it helped me to to continue to produce to continue to to have something to aim for to to have something to live for um because without vision there's no life and at, at some point we just just be or just very stagnant and so even in the midst of your of your pain uh, whatever you could be going through at this time in your life uh you're still alive you still have life right now and the mere fact that you have life means that you have hope. The mere fact that you're able to to breathe, the mere fact that you're able to walk, or even if you can't walk, if you, if you the mere fact that you're alive and you have breath in your heart, that shows that there's still potential and and energy in order for you to move forward into this life. So look at how where you can be, even even though that might be very difficult. Journal, write down goals that you have for yourself. You know, live live with a purpose, live with something to aim for, and and just continue to know that there's there's something greater there for you. No matter how much or how grim it might seem right now at this point, there's always greatness and success right around the corner. Because one, like I've, I've been, said this throughout this whole podcast, life is all ups and downs, and and ultimately, even at our greatest depth there might become or or might show our greatest pinnacle um, very soon. So just keep moving forward. Keep having your vision aligned for, for what's next in the future. And just know that there's always brightness. There's always, there's always 
something there for you to grab onto. So just keep moving forward. And I absolutely love that advice because it applies to individuals who haven't been through trauma. I think for anyone's life to be meaningful, setting goals is definitely a way to keep raising the bar and moving forward. So that's fantastic advice. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. And thank you for having me on this podcast, Francis. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you again. All the best to you, your wife, and Levi. He has so many more years to celebrate and enjoy with you. And who knows what's next in life. But we look forward to to your updates. And I just want to thank you again for sharing your story. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening in on another episode of And Then It Hit Me. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to share this episode with a friend or someone else who might be going through recovery. Don't forget to like and comment on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at And Then It Hit Us. Or visit our website, andthenithitus.com. 